So I sort of printed out an outline of the body and each day I put a cross where I was feeling the pain because every time I was being asked, like, tell me about the pain, it's actually quite hard to define pain. Right. So I thought I need to kind of do my own little study so that I can really say it's here and it's here, you know, and yeah. be able to answer these questions more thoroughly. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Laura. Hello, Laura. Hello. (laughs) It's not been that long since I last saw you, but it's been generally quite a long, long time since we sort of saw each other before then, I think. And the first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Oh, well, I know you because we met at Theatre Studies in Lancaster and I remember meeting you the first time for our rehearsals for Orpheus and Eurydice. So that's um, how I know you. Oh, uh, yes. student. Right, in the, in the Theatre Studies rehearsals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We all had come to university with different expectations, yeah. I think, than what happened in that, in that in- yeah. initial rehearsal because we were all put into like groups to do with dance or yeah. music making or whatever yeah. and uh, you did dance didn't you did no, you i dance? did the music oh, you i did, did the music. music and it's because we did a dance course together later yeah yeah, yeah. I, I did I, dance I later of you dancing <laughs> but initially i did music yeah because uh, yeah. I, I that's kind of something i do yeah so i thought i would like that yeah and i didn't mind it i think i, I liked it better than i think i would have liked the dancing yeah <laughs> what were you i was a shade so i, ah, I danced right that's right but i was yeah in the shade group because they had like in, different groups of dancers, in Hades and that yeah right yeah there was all that that you yeah yeah I remember yeah. I remember this I remember like crawling across the stage with like someone on my back or something right yeah yeah, yeah. no that was a, <laughs> an interesting way to meet you I remember meeting you that not I mean I guess it's not the first time but the, the time I remember from our kind of initial meetings the most that stands out in my mind is we also did creative writing oh, together oh yeah of course yeah and yeah no definitely and yeah. it was the first day I think it was the first I think it might have been before the yeah, actually, course, I think right? you're right, of course, Because yeah. uh, it was the it was first Monday. day, Monday morning, yeah, really early in the morning, and yeah. uh, um, in fact, it was the same day that I met um, my partner of, yeah, of 13 Jen, years, yeah. who we were just talking about off mic, and it was also the the first day I met, like, uh, one of my main collaborators throughout my, my life so far, yeah. Matt Hill. Um, Matt, yeah. Was Matt on the creative project? Yeah, yeah, he was in our in our class. <gasps> Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, well, obviously, I knew that, but I'd totally forgotten that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And uh, what I remember from that meeting is that we had to read stuff out, didn't yeah. we? And then our yeah. tutor sort of, like, basically ripped everything up. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, I, maybe that's the job of a creative writing tutor, that's arguable. But yeah. but what she ripped your poem about, like, up about, was that it. Uh, she said, uh, you can't talk about God. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Uh, these days. As yeah. if, like, as if, like... There's a, yeah, as if suddenly everyone's bored of God, really. Like, yeah. throughout a whole of history, people have been talking about God, and, and now we're all bored of it. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I objected to that, yeah, and I got really yeah. annoyed with her yeah, and sort of had an good. argument, which is yeah. weird because I'm not religious myself, yeah. I'm agnostic, but I, I think that, well, a lot of religious poems actually do touch me, and, and a lot of re- yeah. religious thoughts and ideas do touch me. I think yeah. they probably touch atheists and as well as agnostics and, yeah. and, and believers. But um, I just really objected to the idea that the yeah. course could define what, what no, topics exactly. yeah. we were going to exactly. talk about. It was really shocking, wasn't it? And, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, totally NPC is. <laughs> well, weird because like surely the challenge is if if God's overdone in her yeah. argument, the, the challenge is to do it differently, differently yeah, to do exactly. it new. To, to like yeah. if your objective is to write about God, then she should be helping you to uh, fulfill that objective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, in the best way possible, rather yeah. than say no, you've got to change your entire yeah, interests. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I, but I thought that was brave coming into a, a creative writing class because you didn't know any of us. No, no, exactly. And you were putting in a poem that was about God. And yeah. God is like, it's one of those things that you're not supposed to talk about with people, isn't it? Religion and politics, yeah. which I are, are always top of my, my things to talk about with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I thought that was a brave kind of opening gambit, really, yeah. because you were sort of laying yourself out there in a way that like, yeah. I guess a lot of people who believe in this day and age, or those days, God, those, all those days and ages yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, might be alienated by a believer. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. No, but I mean, I, at that point, I had a very strong faith to say, um, it was just a part of who I was. I wasn't embarrassed about it. I just, I just always, when I was kind of growing up with my... I'm actually agnostic now myself, but at the okay. time... Welcome um, to the ranks. Yeah. <laughs> I was just... Yeah, I tried to just be very natural with it and talk about it in the same way that I talk about anything else because it was just a really big part of my life. So yeah, so yeah. And then, so had you had a religious upbringing then? I guess. Yeah. Um, not really. My uh, well, kind of. It was mixed. My parents took me to Sunday school when I was little, and then they stopped going to church. But when I was about eleven, I had a very strong kind of experience. I ended up helping out on our like the. This church that I went to had a Sunday school they had a summer holiday camp in the summer and this group of young people from Cheltenham which was about an hour away came to run it and because my sister was on it and my mum couldn't find a babysitter I got to be part of the leaders team even though I was only 11 so I was just basically like hanging out with my sister because she was camping there and there was nowhere for me to go and these people had a very very strong and dynamic faith and we'd get up every morning at six to kind of pray wow and it was just really weird because it was I just thought at first it's gonna be so boring but it was really really exciting because these people had a really they weren't religious they had a strong relationship with God and they really really were very happy and full of joy and it was just lots of dancing and singing and when I was there I sort of I had a problem with my knee, which I thought at the time got healed. Like, now I'm agnostic, I'm not quite sure. Right. <laughs> it got healed and I started speaking in tongues. Okay. I don't know if you've ever heard that. And I just had a very strong experience. And for me, from that point, I started a very intense relationship with God. And I then felt at that time that God had told me to go to this local church. And I just went on my own. So my parents weren't, weren't a part of it. I just kind of um, okay. carried on going. And yeah, it was very intense. I used to kind of pray everything I prayed. I used to write down and then I used to tick it off when God answered it. And I was completely convinced. And I, I still have lots of stories and examples where I can't explain it. So that's why I'm agnostic, really, like because I can't totally deny some of the things that happened to me during that experience right. from like kind of 11 to my 20s. Like I had some really strong, intense experiences. Sure. But then like other things got in the way, like... Um, as I got older, I don't know, I just had big issues with some parts of the Bible about homosexuality and right. different things. I don't really, I can't really say, I can't pinpoint what happened, but suddenly, like, I just in my head started questioning loads of things and then my, my reaction to that was just to kind of come away from it because it's almost as if I'd had too much of an intense experience when I was younger mm. and I needed to come away from it. And now I kind of, I kind of feel like split in two because that, it's almost like the person I was when I was growing up was another Laura and yeah. because it was, I believe, so strongly... And I can't quite like turn away from that. 
that I'm not quite ready to kind of go to church or anything either. So I'm kind of in the middle. But you do, I think you do feel things so strongly when you're a teenager yeah, as well. I think I'm definitely. sure like lots of people can relate to that kind of split in two element. Yeah. Whether it was uh, religion or partying or like yeah. being a goth or whatever. There's so many yeah. things that you get yeah. really, really into exactly. when you're a teenager. Yeah. And then... You, I think a lot of us do step away a little bit from them and say, "Well, that's a little bit intense." Yeah, there's yeah. other it's sort true. of elements it's in true, life yeah. to sort it's of look at. It's a very intense yeah. time of life, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. that's interesting. In all of these sort of like years in my mind, like you've remained a Christian yeah. just because of that, yeah, just yeah, because yeah. of that initial poem. Yeah, um, yeah, that's how we know each other originally. We met up again recently at. Our, our, our mutual friend's wedding. He was actually in the creative writing group and I yeah. didn't realise, Matt. Yeah, they're right, yeah. Matt. And Louise uh, is uh, now wife. And I sort of like got a little bit of an idea of sort of some of the things that are going on in your life. Yeah. But the second question that I ask everybody is, what do you do now? So I think this is probably yeah. the, the moment to sort of delve into that. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, I've just started a new job two weeks ago. I'm working at a Hackney Primary School as an EAL coordinator, which means EAL is English as an additional language. Right. And um, 70% of the kids at my school don't speak English at home. So my job is to make sure that they're making progress in their English language so they don't get behind on the curriculum. So um, I'm working across the school and working with teachers as well to give them resources and training on how to deal with EAL pupils in their class. And then I also do kind of work individually with kids that may be at the very beginning stages of learning English but the job's still being defined because I've only been there for two weeks so I'm still finding out myself exactly what it is and then I always say like in my spare time I um I like you I'm into music and I just recently released an EP so I'm a singer-songwriter so I guess that's a big part of what I do as well yeah yeah and you sort of like um did you do lang- languages like at uni as well like was that yeah I did Italian and theatre studies That's as you right. know at uni and I guess the English language stuff happened because I um having done Italian I went to Italy and I ended up setting up my own English school out there so I ended up having a lot of experience teaching English EFL rather than right. have English as a foreign language yeah. yeah so that's helped me like um do the job that I'm doing now now, yeah yeah. that's yeah makes a lot of sense the progression in in those terms and like did you do did you do music at at uni much or was that like did Um, because I don't like because I do I'm a musician too right but I didn't do any at uni no I did like I did do some open mic nights and I did a gig like in the second year and stuff um I was fundraising I did a production of Jane Eyre Ah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. I, I came to see that, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And um, we did a ball to kind of fundraise for it, and at that ball I did, like... Ah, I might have stuff. even been there, so I should yeah. I should have memories of that. I definitely saw that, uh, <laughs> Jane, that Jane Eyre yeah. adaptation. It was in the round, wasn't it? Or like it was yeah, it was like, in the round. It was in a, yeah. St Thomas's Church. That's like, right. Yeah, they, yeah, I approached them, and they... Because the building was really good for that kind of... Um, you know, for the play right. and the era, it was and Matt Waldock was the was was in it yeah. as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. a dog at one point. Right, right. And he played like uh, Mr. Rochester's dog, but they, they it was um, <laughs> like an ensemble cast, so that he was doing lots of different roles. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I always remember him doing the dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, that and that play makes a lot of sense why you'd like to, like why you were drawn to that text as yeah, well. If, you, yeah. if, if during your like teenage years you had been like religious, and yeah, you sort yeah. of come to a point where you were sort of all of those themes were yeah, bubbling yeah. up inside True. you that yeah, makes yeah. a lot of sense yeah 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 because you really went for that didn't you and sort of like did that independently yeah and like, yeah. yeah that was just kind yeah. of your your pet project at yeah that time. it was yeah. yeah 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 that makes yeah that that's that's interesting and 
and and your your but your music side like now so like because I mean I guess I, I bumped into you for, at parties over the years here and there yeah and I knew you were doing music and I knew you were gonna you were you know you were very I think I, I saw you and you were very excited about it and you were on the process and then you sort of like seemed to go into a sort of limbo for a yeah. little while yeah 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 um what what happened I guess well um I I've got this thing called fibromyalgia I got diagnosed with it about two or three years ago but I've had the symptoms actually since I was about 15 but they kind of got worse so it didn't affect me too much at university then it's chronic fatigue right. and inflammation of the muscles so a lot of pain so my health has kind of got in the way so in my head I've kind of got lots of things I want to do but actually my energy levels don't always match what I want to do so unfortunately it's been very much kind of stopping and starting with right. the music so I'll have a best energy to do something and then I think I'm going to do all this and this and gigs and everything and then I have to stop because my body's telling me that I need to rest yeah so it's, it's quite frustrating but I guess I don't know sometimes I feel like there's kind of two choices you can make that you can think I'm going to stop because I can't really keep it up and I maybe on Facebook kind of set the ball rolling and then the momentum stops, you know, I can't maintain it. And if I did that, I'd have to give up on kind of what is a big part of what I love doing. Right. Or I just think I just have to keep on going, but I have to kind of forge my own new way of doing it so that I just have to, instead of getting frustrated all the time that I don't necessarily keep the momentum flowing, just accept that I can only do what I can, but still keep on going rather than give up altogether. So, yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's an interesting journey that I'm trying to... Because I tend to always, I don't know, I'm quite like a perfectionist, so I do stuff and then I get very frustrated with myself for not maintaining what I would like or not doing it in the same way that yeah. I kind of envisioned. So it's a learning curve for me to to be kinder to myself and to accept that it doesn't have to be all or nothing and that I can just do it in stops and starts. But well, that you... doesn't necessarily translate to what normally happens in, in life as well. So there's kind of the, it's hard dealing with the fact that I know that maybe I correct, create expectations because I start saying and then I don't deliver and it's it's hard I'm still working out how to, to yeah that. I mean yeah. You, you seem to be sort of like going towards the idea of like linking the story of like where you're at in with the process of releasing the EP so that yeah. it's like more kind of like that that you're being like open about yeah. like your your uh, condition and that that kind of helps give some context to what's happening because yeah and that makes sense to do that because yeah you're right in in and I totally understand the decisions you're making yeah. but it is a tricky one because the music industry is a very much a kind of like momentum driven yeah, in fact yeah. the arts in general yeah once you get any kind of traction yeah the kind of conventional approach is to 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 you know push 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 yeah, push and exactly. exhaust yourself yeah and if you're someone who's already exhausted before you've even started, started yeah that's a complicated sort yeah, of position to be yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I have. Yeah, I guess one reason of talking about it is to sort of give an explanation of what's happening. Right. But also, I guess I've met along the way, like because sometimes I've gone to support groups for, for fibromyalgia, and it's a kind of it's a really hard for people who have those kind of conditions. There is a lot of people that kind of just give up, mm. and they just think I can't do anything, so they stop trying to do anything. And I guess I wanted to kind of. But he's the one that tried as a kind of to prove maybe that there that it is possible to still like be true to yourself and do your questions right. and not just give up. So the one reason is to explain to people and also I hope maybe that if people are going through a similar situation that hopefully they might be inspired or encouraged to kind of keep on going. It was actually really nice the other day a friend of mine said that she passed on my blog to a friend of hers who's got fibromyalgia and 
that the person like found it really inspiring and was sort of wanting to do things herself and said that she felt like she'd, you know more motivated to do it so yeah. that's kind of my hope as well that's one of the other reasons why I share it there yeah. I think for other people because not just fibromyalgia but people, things like chronic fatigue syndrome or ME um, there's yeah, lots right. of conditions that people I mean have. they're all sort of like broadly collected under the, the heading uh, spoonies yeah like yeah. people call themselves spoonies because yeah. uh, of the analogy that you have to give out spoons every yeah. time you're if you've got a handful of spoons yeah then every time you have to have a, any energy you, you, you give one of those yeah. spoons away and so it's the way of communicating to people like me that don't have that condition yeah. that, that actually every action yeah. involves effort and you have to choose so which choose, spoons yeah which you yeah use. how you're going to use your spoons right. every day yeah. Um, yeah it's a very good analogy and and i mean i know a few people who have that that those kind that kind of umbrella conditions. I mean, I knew somebody growing up who had ME, and I know people who have sort of chronic fatigue syndrome and stuff yeah. like that. I don't know specifically what fibromyalgia. I'm probably getting that wrong. So it's fibromyalgia. Fibromyalgia. Brilliant. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know specifically what that entails. Yeah. I mean, and what I mean, I guess you you do, but also it's a, it was something that you you had but you didn't even know about so like, yeah I mean that... I just always when I was growing up I did notice that I felt very tired all the time and also it affects the amount of time you can stand so I can only stand for about 10-15 minutes before I get in a lot of pain and it affects like, the amount of time you can walk because there's lots of theories about why it is but basically the muscles are inflamed and the more you use them they kind of get more inflamed so if you right. start walking you'll be very stiff like when I wake up I'm very stiff and then if I walk the more I walk the more painful it gets. So then you get to a certain point where you can't really walk anymore. And the same with standing. Like, you start and you feel kind of stiff. I always feel stiff. But then the longer I stand, the muscles kind of, I guess, because they're feeling inflamed and then they're having to contract to keep me standing up, they just get more painful. I remember it's really funny. I was going shopping and stuff with friends, like, when I first started going on a shopping trip. And I think, wow, shopping's really painful. Like, it really hurts. But at that time, it's really funny, isn't it, when you're growing up and you don't realise something you're experiencing is different from it anyone else right. so I just presumed that everyone else was dying to sit down and have a, a drink or go to the cafe and stop shopping you know and it was only like I suddenly started noticing that other people seemed to have more stamina for these things as I got older I realised oh actually I'm you know it's not normal to get so tired or for mm. your legs to hurt when you stand and, and then you start realising that you've got something different but as you're growing up I just presumed that, that was the norm kind of that it was tiring to stand up or it was yeah. tiring to walk so then it's like around uni I started to think you know it's not too good but I was still like I did the dance course and stuff right, and it wasn't yeah. yeah it wasn't really bad and then it just kind of got worse I probably like by about 23 I started to really notice that I couldn't do things and now for example I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do the, the, the dance, dance piece because we yeah. were, in a, were in the same group I think yeah we were yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the umbrellas it was <laughs> right, based on right, that right. picture wasn't it by Jack Petriano I think yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, and that was physically demanding. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, I, I certainly found that year of of of, of life uh, pretty physically demanding, and I didn't have uh, yeah. like a, any yeah. any, any spoon issues. Yeah. So, so I mean, I, I can only imagine that it was pretty tough in a way yeah. for you. But if it's yeah. got worse since then, yeah, yeah. I mean, it felt it felt really tough and really draining. But I didn't think, oh, I can't do this. Right. Whereas now, the way it is, I would have had to stop. I think. And yeah. you don't know why it's getting worse, or do you, is, is... Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I would say, like, since 23 to now, it's kind of stabilised. It's, like, got to yeah. a point where it's it's sort of... Maybe it's fully developed, and then it's... I don't think it's going to get any worse. I think it is... I mean, doctors say it's not pro- progressive. It's not degenerative. It's, 
I mean, I might, I might have periods when it's worse and periods when it's um, less worse, but there's nothing to suggest that as I get older it will continue to get worse. Right. I okay. think maybe it was just developing at that stage and then it and got now into full it's blown full blown. Larger, yeah. Well, that, that's good. Yeah. Uh, in, as, as in a way, like, yeah, if it's yeah. not getting worse, that's always a good no, thing. No, it is good. Because like, at one point I remember thinking, oh, why am I like this already in my 20s? Like, what am I going to be like in my 40s? Right. It's quite worrying. And that was the horrible thing about it not being diagnosed for a long time. But once you've got a name for it and you've been told it's actually it's not going to get worse, you're not going to end up in a wheelchair or something, like, yeah. it was really reassuring to have the name for it. Yeah, no, so, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. What was the sort of moment when you, like, how did you find out that you had this? Like, what, what it's led to It's actually really, it's not a very good story for the NHS because I was going to the doctors a lot about this and they weren't giving me any kind of clear diagnosis and what I said to you one lady that my back was hurting and her response to the doctor was that oh, that's because we're designed to be on all fours and I was like oh yeah really helpful thank you <laughs> and actually what happened was Groupon had a deal for going to this like physiotherapist in Chiswick I think they were chiropractors stroke physiotherapists and um, so I decided because you know I'd always been having problems I thought oh it's really cheap I might as well just go and they do an assessment I kind of was feeling really jaded by it by then because I'd had lots of assessments I thought I doubt they'll be able to give me anything that's yeah. really life changing but at least there'll be a bit of physio and I think there was like some chiropractic bit of massage included in the like it was three sessions so I was like right cool so I went there and she was asking me to do some exercises and I pointed out that I found it really hard to lie on my side because there was these like real tender spots on my hips and then during that time, I don't know why I just decided out of the blue to monitor it more. So I sort of printed out an outline of the body and each day I put a cross where I was feeling the pain because every time I was being asked, like, tell me about the pain, it's actually quite hard to define pain. Right. So I thought I need to kind of do my own little study so that I can really say it's here and it's here, you know, and yeah. be able to answer these questions more thoroughly. So I I said that to Physio, then I did this little study and I came back and I showed her where all the crosses were and actually... Fibromyalgia is very difficult to diagnose because it's very similar to um, the chronic fatigue syndrome or ME. And the way you diagnose it is that with fibromyalgia, there's these different tenders points across the body. And um, so there's one at the bottom of the head, and um, there's one like two like at the base of the neck, and then there's two around the hips and the knees. And she, I put crosses in all those places. And just by chance, I mean, it's really lucky, she'd done her, she'd just recently graduated, she'd done her dissertation on fibromyalgia. Oh, wow. So she spotted it. And then she wrote to the doctor saying, I think she's got this. And it was only then that my doctors referred me to see a specialist at um, Guy's Hospital, um, a rheumatologist. And then he was able to give me the official diagnosis. So if it hadn't been for Groupon, <laughs> I would have never found out. So, yeah, it's amazing. No, and no, it's an interesting... I mean, the, and the, the, that air, this area of different conditions is one that often gets quite mocked as well yeah. within the... the the press or even within the medical institutions as far as I understand it's certainly something that I know people have to deal with this idea that they're being told that you haven't really got anything you're just being lazy you know whatever yeah the kind of things that get yeah definitely like ME for ages wasn't recognized by a lot of doctors and fibromyalgia as well it's um it's similar that a lot of doctors that are maybe older don't recognize it but now it's in the if a doctor studies now it's part of their course of study so mm. younger doctors recognise it yeah right yeah and so actually you're often like on sort of forum groups and stuff they always advise you like try and see a younger doctor they're more likely to recognise it or know about it whereas if you go to an older doctor they might sort of just pop it off yeah. as something that doesn't exist well, yeah exactly some of them won't yeah. even believe in it yeah exactly yeah. so it's just hard you know so yeah and it's a, I think it's a, a it must be a doubly problematic thing that you've got this condition it's making everything hard to like it's hard to go and see the doctor yeah you go and see the doctor and it's harder that 
than it would be for me because you've had to like get up out of bed yeah. one spoon right yeah 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 <laughs> go down the street two spoons and then you get there and then like you're told that you're making it up yeah it must exactly. be like a, a yeah. very horrible position yeah to be yeah, in, you yeah. Know? it's hard and it's 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 funny to me because I, I think like well why do people why are people always so certain that other people are making things up you yeah know? Like no, we, exactly. we have no idea what anybody else is feeling right no, exactly. so so what i don't know why people are so quick to to, to dismiss yeah, no, exactly. people's lived experience but i yeah. guess i guess it's not it's not an unusual thing a lot of a lot of lived experience gets uh gets yeah. dismissed but that's like going back to the the god thing and stuff as well i think it's quite interesting how people in life generally are very black and white about things I don't know if it's a security blanket for some people to just decide that they that they're sure and they're black and white about things because right. actually we can't really no like I remember thinking like now I'm an agnostic but I still like I find it really hard if there's really outspoken atheists and I find it really hard with really outspoken Christians because I'm just kind of like it annoys me when people are so certain yeah but that is I mean <laughs> that's what I call my, what I call myself is uh, a militant agnostic yeah because I'm like the only logical conclusion yeah. to come to is yeah, that you exactly. can't come to a conclusion. Exactly. Like I know it's a paradox in a way, but it does seem to be the only thing we can definitely be sure yeah. of. Like when atheists talk about like scientifically yeah. speaking, uh, the only thing we can be sure of is that we can't be sure. That's yeah. the only thing scientifically. Yeah. There's no proof that there isn't a God. No, exactly. And you and can't prove that there isn't a God. It's such a form of arrogance to big. be so sure either way, isn't right. it? Because... I think that you know I can't remember who that philosopher is, but the one that says the more I know, the realize the more I realize I know nothing, and I think that's what my life journey so far has shown me. That so I find I do like get kind of I bristle when I'm around people that think they know things. Yeah. Like it's really funny though because if I if I'm talking and there's a strong atheist, it's like my Christian side comes out and get really defensive. I'm like no, and I come up with all these arguments about why um, maybe there is God. But then if I'm in a room with like really strong like sort of born again Christian right. I get really defensive the other way and I'm like no like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah well it's the pressure it's, it's not just the fact that they are certain it's the fact that they think you have to have the same certainty yeah exactly. like that's what I find like you know very repel, repellent about a lot of the uh, the modern atheist movement is that yeah. there's so many people saying you know not just must uh, not just I don't believe in God but that you nobody should yeah, believe in exactly. God and, and that's just just as problematic as saying everyone yeah. should believe in exactly. whatever God people believe in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, exactly. it's funny. It's a funny. Uh, it's funny. And doing this project, actually, like, I mean, getting better acquainted is is more and more about like listening to different people's points of view. Yeah. And the more to people I talk to, the the less certain I am of anything. Yeah, really, yeah. Because there's so many different arguments, so many different points of view, and definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like so musically, like when yeah. did when did when did music like when when did you come across music in your life? Okay, well, I was very lucky. We had a piano in my house when I was young, and um, my parents were great, and they let me have piano lessons from about the age of seven. So I started playing the piano then, and actually, it just from that age, it's really funny. My sister was learning piano; she's very rigorous about it, doing what the teacher wanted practicing I never used to practice but I used to play all the time <laughs> I used to but it was always about playing what was going on for me emotionally so I just right. played things out as a way of dealing with my emotions as a way of sort of chilling out letting things out of my system but I wouldn't practice the actual piece that I was meant to practice right. <laughs> so that was my kind of and that's the way it's kind of carried on I've never been very disciplined about music I, mean, I did end up doing all my grades and piano but very kind of I had to sort of be nailed down to, to my piano practice but it's always for me been a way of ex exploring and expressing myself like through music 
and then I dabbled with other instruments at school we were there was a violin teacher so I got to have a go at violin and then once again I'm very lucky my, there was a Saturday music school and my parents enabled me to do violin lessons and flute lessons and then I did some drum lessons at school and some guitar lessons at school so when I was at primary school I was just dabbling with lots of different instruments and that's how it all started <laughs> but mainly it's my relationship with the piano that's um, always been the constant I remember actually when we went to America when I was 16 it was the first time I've gone on a three-week holiday and um I just realised that I just really missed having that possibility to play the piano because I used to just do it every day, kind of almost like a little mini therapy thing. So we were in Boston, we were walking past this um, hotel where there was a piano in the foyer and I went into reception and I was like, please, can I play your piano? I haven't played... I was like, I was 16 then, so I was quite intentionally like we were saying, and I was like, I haven't played for two weeks, please can I play it? And they were like, okay. So, so I went and played. So, so that kind of sums up really how I feel about it. It's like, it's part of my everyday life, just being able to sort of have a little fiddle around the and piano. You, need, you kind of need it. Yeah. If you haven't got it. it yeah, I kind of need it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I feel, I think, about, like, uh, writing. and It's a similar thing for me. If I don't do it, then I'm not fully myself. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, yeah, I guess I feel that way a little bit about music, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, yeah, I mean... What's like, and what kind of music do you make now? How would you qualify? Like, how would you? T- yeah, it's interesting. No, nobody actually. likes that question. No. I that. <laughs> and it's really interesting because my new EP is actually like each song is actually really quite different. So, and the way we defined it when I was going through the songs with my producer that I'd written, I had about 40 songs and we had to pick five. And we chose, as a way of selecting them, we chose the word quirky, anything that was slightly quirky or theatrical. That's which we decided was a theme. So it's not a genre of music but it was a kind of style. Right. And so that's, I'd say that the EP, the criteria we chose was that the songs had to be quite quirky. So the first one is very influenced by swing music, like from the 30s, 20s, it's got a very swing style. The second one is more like, it's kind of got like, I think the word gypsy, but it's not really gypsy music, but it's just kind of got some more acoustic guitars and like drums and like the cajon and things. So it's kind of a bit more like acoustic folksy that okay. kind of thing um, the third one is quite 60s I think just because the backing vocals are very much like the Beach Boys kind right. of style so it's kind of got that 60s style the fourth one is just very atmospheric instrumental Very that one is the most theatrical and the fifth one is actually quite gospel like pop gospel okay. so I don't know how to define the, the EP as a whole because it's got all these different elements but I guess they're all kind of basically pop but with like influences from other genres so so yeah but whereas my first album was just definitely rock pop, they were all rock pop, so it was it was easy just to define it. But this one is quite sort of exploratory and experimental. So. Oh yes, yeah. I mean, and 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 like I guess like, I mean, are they the, all of those sort of genres? Are they all they all been influences on 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 you like where you're at, or have they been like directions that your producer has taken them down? Or uh, they're definitely like where well actually apart from the 60s one which I definitely think it was my producer that had this vision for the backing vocals to be like Beach Beach Boys that was definitely his influence the rest of them were just how I wrote the song like I think I went for the swing style because of the story I was telling like I went on this date uh, like a speed dating date oh, like, right, after, yeah. well after speed dating with someone and um there was this lovely guy you know it's kind of going to think I should really want to be with this person because they're just really nice he arranged a really really nice date but I just got to this moment where I just it was like the kiss moment 
I just really didn't want to kiss him. And um, it was really awful because I actually did like, um, I'm not going to say the details actually, just in case randomly he <laughs> he listens Fair to this. Enough. But in the moment of the kiss, I did actually literally scream no. Um, <laughs> and so I wrote the song about it and I just thought <laughs> that tongue in cheek kind of swing style was quite a good style to tell the story. So, yeah. um, so that was why I chose that style. And um, yeah, and so I think actually the style tends to come from the sort of the story that I'm telling like to suit the yeah rather than that I write the lyrics and decide I'm going to go for this genre it's sort of a it's a combined process yeah yeah <laughs> I'm just like try, I'm just like feeling like sympathy for the, the, the person who I know it, it's like yeah <laughs> <laughs> poor guy poor guy he was so nice as well I do feel really awful for him but yeah yeah. Well, I think you've been very respectful by <laughs> by not kissing and not telling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so singing is something that you've sort of like have done with your with the key, with the piano yeah. through through your through your life, and that's kind of what you're combining now. Yeah. I mean, and you 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 write your own songs as well. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, do you find that an easy thing to do? Like, or a, or a comp? Or how do you feel about songwriting? What songwriting? Do you know what? I do find it easy when I'm in the play, which I guess like all writers would kind of say. If I often, my best songs, I'll sit down and I'll write in five minutes. Like I just write them. Um, It gets difficult if I write maybe, I've got loads of songs where I've got a verse and a chorus, which I really like. And even like maybe like my housemates will have heard it, oh, that's a really good song. And then I just can't finish it. And that's when it gets tricky yeah. so nearly any song that's been on any of my albums is probably like came out in one go and right, so it was very right. easy but then it's you know then you do have the moments where it struggles like finishing off but like I said at the beginning I've never been a very disciplined um, um, when it comes to music so I guess some songwriters are a lot better at making themselves finish the songs and I have had that when I did my last album which was actually with an Italian record company there was a song that they said they wanted me to finish but they thought it was good and I had to have that experience of I took myself away for the day I went to a park and forced myself to write the lyrics so yeah. I know actually that I sort of can do it and that can be a that can be a very reward like the, yeah. the, the results of that can be very rewarding exactly. too but I, and, I, and I, I certainly there's some songs I've spent years and years on and that have turned out good in the end yeah but but uh but I know what you mean. Like, it's so annoying in some ways that sometimes the one that you come out with in three minutes is yeah. like the one that works better than yeah, the ones yeah, you exactly. spend like hours yeah. and hours. Yeah, over yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's the that's a good point actually. Your so your first album you released like in Italy, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, when I say release, I was actually I would say a record company. It was a production company. Right. So I produced it with an Italian record company and it was released like on iTunes or like online hmm. so it wasn't like released in Italy like kind of in the shops but it was no. an Italian pr- production company and um, yeah we went and you were living in Italy at the I time I was living in Italy yeah and we went on a tour actually we came to the UK I was very lucky because I got to work with some of the Italian musicians that play with some of the kind of top Italian pop artists kind of in Italy and yeah. they came on tour with me in the UK and it was really cool because they were like really awesome like yeah. and especially the guitarist like he was really good on his electric guitar sellings and so whenever I did gigs I think people were really impressed but more with the musicians than me <laughs> but um, but yeah so it's nice having them backing me up so yeah that was a really how did good that experience. come about then well <laughs> I um, I went to Italy as part of my course so yeah. in the third year I was um, in Italy and actually when I arrived I went to 
Turin, first of all, and worked with a theatre company there. And then from January to June, I went to work as a teaching assistant in a school in San Giorgio Cremano, which is really near Naples. And when I got there, it was actually really, really hard. I just didn't really know anyone. And whereas in Turin, like, it was a university-based town, so I ended up living with students. It was quite easy. When I got to Naples there was a lovely teacher that was at the school that was really really welcoming so that was really nice but there wasn't it was quite hard to meet people my own age and stuff and she was really nice like she let me come around for lunches and stuff I don't want to always just be hanging around her house with her children you know so so I basically would just sometimes I finish school wander around the town trying to find people to meet (laughs) and things to do and I saw this sign um, for a recording studio and I had actually started doing a little demo of my first album back in in England before coming I thought maybe I could get while I'm here instead of putting on hold I could just try and record some of the piano and vocal tracks so I went in I met this guy called Roberto Saratelli (laughs) and he was going to be my producer later on but I didn't realise he was just really nice and once again I was really missing playing the piano they had a piano and he said I could come and play whenever I wanted so I just basically started hanging around the studio like a bit of a loser (laughs) like I didn't really have any friends so I just go and hang around and play the piano and gradually start to get to know these people and then Roberto agreed to take me out around Naples. Well, well he offered, he didn't agree. He offered to take me out. And <laughs> I didn't go to him, please take me out. Um, but he said, do you want to go out? So he took me out to Naples and he'd heard me singing some of the stuff. And then he basically said, we got to this place and I thought we were just going to watch a gig, but it was an open mic night. And he was like, oh, you know, I thought it'd be really cool if you could sing so I thought okay <laughs> so I went up and did this Alanis set number and it was really cool I think it's just because I had an English accent but everyone there just like was really enthusiastic and they all started like dancing right. and it was like so it's cool and after that Roberto then just basically called me the next day and said oh we want to produce a single with you it was a single first of all it was actually like an R&B hip-hop kind of thing that I would um writing at the time randomly and so we did that single and then I came back to finish my degree and in the time I'd written other songs and when I came back I went out to visit Roberto at the end of my degree and I was playing the stuff and him and um, his partner Lino they said that they thought it was, they really liked it and they'd like to produce the album with me so wow. um, so I decided I'd actually got a job as an occupational therapy assistant at King's College Hospital I just accepted it and then I thought nah I'm just going to do the album so I had to go back home and be like sorry and turn the job down and like I was meant to be moving with my sister I was like sorry I'm leaving and and then just went back to Naples and produced the album so yeah wow it was one of those sliding door moments yeah yeah I mean, but although go, having gone through the, like, you you know, I guess, like, like, well, did you find that the, the door that you went through, I guess, was the, like, did it work out as you'd, as you'd hoped? Because, I mean, I guess it's like, you, you, it could have been the start of a, a big sort of career, I guess, in, in, it, in, in Italian yeah, pop music. It, yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good, um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it's. I think that was when, actually, when I went out there, that was when I really started to feel the problems with fibromyalgia. And I often regret it, because I think there's a lot of the time when I was out there, I, w- I mean, I think I was quite depressed as well. Like, mm. I went through, I don't know, when you finish uni and stuff, and also at that time, was that's when I kind of lost my faith in God. I was a little bit kind of, when I got out there, I was a bit kind of, yeah, I wasn't as focused as I would like to be. Right. And... I think actually what happened, there there ended up being a bit of an argument between my producer and the musicians. And I think if I'd been more focused, I I might have dealt better with that situation. But it kind of just happened and then they kind of, it kind of fell out and stopped. And then I just came back to London to do do my music and start again, like by myself. But maybe if I'd been a bit more on it at that time. Or even just things like I had, 
I was working with really great musicians and they'd offered like I don't know to teach with the guitar to teach they'd been studying more focusing more I might be more disciplined but but it's easy to look back and think of all the things that you could have done but I definitely it was a time in life when I had a lot of time that I could have dedicated to music but instead I was actually just going through a lot of personal issues trying to work out my faith in God I had my relationship for the first time when I was there and a lot of issues around that because before I'd sort of always thought I wouldn't have sex till I was married and then there's all this it just was a lot of questioning and I guess in your early 20s and I, I randomly ended up setting up my own business at that time as well like um, my own English school which that bit went really really well but I also got kind of so I got totally distracted because I went out to do music but I ended up setting up a business right it's just funny I just feel like I wasn't focused if I got out there and was focused on the music I might have made different choices but I kind of was letting lots of new things were coming at me, lots of new experiences. And but then I was that's just, all good. Yeah. Experience and uh, stuff yeah. to then put into you know yeah, your future exactly. now. I mean that's yeah. the thing is it's like I feel a bit like that in some ways about my initial years having left uni. I think a lot yeah. like a lot of us find ourselves in like oh no it's like all of the freedom that we had is gone and now yeah. we have to make some sense of things and yeah, it's like yeah. you, you do end up kind of going down a bit of a, a a black hole or I did yeah and I sort of like it it I stayed in Lancaster for sort of like two years or something three two and a half years like working in libraries as a library assistant at that time then I moved to London to yeah. try and like plug back into the where I thought my my career yeah. or my yeah. life or whatever you want to call it might have gone sometimes I think oh well I sort of had a bit of a like late start like, so, yeah. like I wish I hadn't had those those years sort of like not being as focused if yeah you know, as, as I, I could have been but I also go well I, I did a load of things that have prepared me in yeah, different no, ways for where I am now yeah you know? that's so true it's, and it's easy, like, sometimes I think, oh, I should have spent so long in Naples doing these things. But I met people, like, through the school and stuff that... So my producer for the latest album, I met through people that I met being there. And yeah. so, you know, you, you can't just look back and think of all these different things that you could have, could have done, but things tend to link on, don't they? And, sometimes and you lived in Italy. Yeah, which exactly, cool. which cool. Yeah, and it was cool, like, um, doing my own business and stuff. So that was a cool experience. Nothing yeah. to do with music, but it was a right. cool experience, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what was it like being, uh, I guess, uh, English in uh, Italy? It was it was funny, like, because, it, like, in my village that I lived, I mean, it was on the suburbs of Naples, which is a big, sprawling, kind of urban place, but it did have a very, like, village-like community in this little suburb town. And they all called me the Linglesina, which means the little English girl, because there was no one else around them really that was English, so it's quite a novelty. So I used to get loads of free stuff, like it's great. I used to go to shops and people would just give me random like little extra chocolates or an extra piece of bread or something, just because I was the Inglesina. So okay. <laughs> it's kind of cool. And I got invited to loads of people's um, houses for dinner. This is I mean, when I first arrived; it was really hard. But this is after I'd lived there for a while, and because I set my own business, people knew who I was. Yeah. And so yeah, I was a really. I mean, they're very kind of family based there. So the fact that I was living on my own, they I think it just brought out this like maternal instinct in a lot of the women that <laughs> that I met. So I was being invited to and. I mean, I loved my pupils at my school. They, I love them. Um, I don't know, there's something about Italian, especially the young people, they're so, when you do lessons, they're really ready to talk and discuss about politics and religion. And they, it was really interesting teaching them. Passionate. And, yeah, I they're guess. passionate. That's kind of the, yeah. almost the cliche, isn't it? Yeah, but, but they were. They, and I think also the way the education system works, they do like philosophy and things at school and they're much more able to talk about things co- compared to a lot of maybe English teenagers. I don't want to generalise, but... Yeah. But that was 
really interesting and then the kids are really sweet and well, so it's, a, just... it's, a, it's an interesting culture in from a, from the I mean I don't you know I mean from the outside I've never really lived or lived there and I have known Italian people but it's kind of what I find interesting about it is that and it's not just Italian it's kind of a a broader the warmer parts of Europe yeah but men uh, seem to be allowed to express emotions yeah. in a way that, that they're not necessarily uh, encouraged to in, in the UK kind of culture. Yeah, exactly. That said, they, 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 them expressing their emotions does not necessarily seem to automatically make it a, a less chauvinistic culture. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean definitely... I'd like to think that all of men expressing our emotions is going to mean that we, we also stop oppressing women. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure that it's working out that way in Italy, but I don't want to... Ju- I also yeah, don't want to no, generalize. no. I mean, definitely, like, you do get those stereotypes in Italy as you walk around that lots of men, like, will make comments and whistle. And so there's definitely still that sort of... Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I guess that's that's the downside of yeah. your emotions being something you can express openly yeah, yeah, is that exactly. you're expressing that kind yeah. of emotion, which is street harassment and bang out of order. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no. And, and so was that a sort of strange like element to you going there? As a yeah, young, that was like there? at first it was a bit, it's a bit weird. Yeah, because you <laughs> felt like it was just I was scared at first, but actually what you realise is that they often most I mean all the times in my experience they just they're just very vocal they're not actually going to do anything like I think when I first got there it was because like English people wouldn't do that in, in England you wouldn't really get like, just well, occasionally you happen, might do sadly, but, but, but yeah, yeah but not like every single time you go out you wouldn't be getting these comments and well stuff. also maybe you got it more because you were uh, the, the, what, the linguist was yeah. or whatever the person who's yeah, like sticking Zina. out yeah. yeah exactly but then I realised they're just saying stuff and then they never like actually I think if I turn around and said yeah okay what are you gonna do about it they would run away like <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah so you just kind of block it out you're just like yeah whatever kind of thing yeah. so, but at first I think I thought oh no they're gonna follow me home or something you know but <laughs> yeah no, no, they oh, yeah, didn't. as yeah. you would yeah uh, and that's one of the reasons why no matter how innocent <laughs> the, the person calling out down the street feels their their, their behavior yeah. is it's yeah. not felt that way yeah, necessarily no, exactly. and that's the whole point it's yeah. like this kind of cognitive uh, dissonance i guess for the for the for the men often doing it is that they think they're being appreciative but they're actually being threatening yeah exactly um, yeah. and so that's yeah. <clears throat> that's yeah so they're like they're man, mansplaining again as people <laughs> call it these days you then you came from italy back here yeah i, I mean did, yeah. like how was that coming back to London it was actually like really nice it was really nice because I love being away but I did live away for four and a half years and there's just little things that you don't realise at the time I mean I became fluent in Italian and I could talk to people but like things like sense of humour like I was always making jokes that no one else was funny <laughs> in fact I actually got to a point with my close friends of actually going you're meant to laugh now like as a joke you know to like try and get over the awkward moment of me making a joke and them looking confused I'd explain that it was meant to be the joke but uh, <laughs> but obviously that's not as good as someone actually laughing at your right. jokes <laughs> right, right. so when I got back it was just just things like that having dinner parties and actually really giggling like with your friends and really realising that you're you're from the same background you get each other so although I had really close and some of my best friends are Italians now there's still something that comes from sharing a culture that yeah. you just can't I don't I mean you can still have a really intimate relationship but that right. will always be missing you don't have the shortcuts yeah and I think the shortcuts get like more and more like the so you've got like your 
your general culture yeah. and then you've got like the town that you come yeah, yeah, from yeah, and then exactly. like you've got the actual people who spent the childhood with that you, you did with yeah, you and you've got yeah. shortcuts into all definitely, of these people and, and uni as well you have shortcuts into all of the people yeah definitely like it's a different kind of way that we can interact than like somebody yeah. that I didn't like know when they were younger yeah know? exactly so and it's really special like when you're with people so when I came back also I'd been living on my own um I'd, I'd live with um I was in a relationship for like three years and I lived with, um, it's actually Roberto who was my producer. <laughs> um, we ended up getting together and then I was on my own in, in the flat for like a year and a half. And I really enjoyed just coming back. I moved into a house with some friends from uni actually. And there's five of us. Louise, Matt's wife now, was one of them. And it was just really nice being part of a group, you know, sharing humour, sharing life together. Yeah. That was really good. I mean, work-wise it was like, um, I was still, my school was still running, so I was um, employing people to teach out there and I was carrying on the business from oh, wow. London for like two years I did that. So it was, it was a bit crazy because I couldn't really commit to a full-time job here because I needed to go and do like the training and the induction and be able to go to Italy if there was any problems. So I ended up doing like lots of freelance stuff, like I was doing monkey music and theatre bags but some of it seems a bit similar to what you would do yeah. in the libraries like right. um, with theatre bags I'd go to local community centres and do like storytelling and games oh, cool. and singing with kids and stuff yeah. yeah so I was doing that eventually I realised it just I had to kind of either go back to Italy and, and do, do it, that full time or, or, yeah, or right. come back because I don't know I was just a bit naive and thinking that the teachers would just be able to I'd I created like lesson plans for my school. I did it all through music and drama. So I'd written songs and did everything. And I just thought if I've got it all created out there and I give them two weeks training, that'd be fine. But I forgot that a lot of it was based on my personality. Right. Like I was able to teach those lessons because of who I am. And you can't just expect. And now I'm actually in teaching. I realize you know, everyone has their own style. Right. And actually, yeah. you think you're saving them time by doing the lesson plans. But people need to do their own lesson plans because they need to adapt it so that they can deliver it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so the idea of it, like working like that didn't didn't work <laughs> so like I had to go back and sort of give extra training or give more like team teaching and so I had to keep on going back so I was kind of like well it's not really gonna work like business-wise where I keep having to pay for flights to go back I might as well be there myself or or not do it like this so so I had this kind of two years kind of funny freelancing trying to run a business in Italy intermission time and then um but then I decided to start trying to be a teacher and come back and I guess I'm more settled now because I've kind of completely invested in my life here right. rather than being in between yeah yeah <clears throat> that's and that's an, and that, and so yeah now you're i mean we're, we're we're talking in your in your bedroom in yeah. in uh in in hackney yeah um and uh and and you know it's it's funny how it goes with the people who like i went to university with they've all like everybody seems to wind up in London, yeah, or at least in London for a bit, you know, yeah, uh, and then go away again, yeah. Uh, I guess it's because a lot of the people who I went to university with were studying theatre studies, and yeah. so we are kind of more attracted to coming to the the place where the big arts scene is, yeah, yeah. I guess. Um, I mean, you you, you where are you you're not from London originally, though, are you? Or are you... No, I was um, born in Nottingham, right? But I only stayed there for six months, so I don't know very well. And then um, we moved to Hexham, which is near Newcastle, right? And then from about like nine till eighteen, so my formative years, I guess, I was in Stratford upon Avon. Ah. so there you go. I ended up doing theatre, and maybe that was um, yeah an influence. Yeah, and then since then, you know, I've been moving around doing different things, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and how do you find London? Like, how have you found kind of coming in to this city? Like, do you know what? It's funny because when I was where I was living before, 
because I worked really close, I didn't really come into the centre of London that much. And I always felt I was kind of missing out because I was living my life in sort of Crystal Palace, Dulwich, and I loved it. I've got yeah, my friends nice I live area. with and uh, my school, and I could walk to school. But then, like, I still felt like, actually, like, if I had friends come to visit, like, say, from Italy, I didn't really know London that well because right. I wasn't going into the centre that yeah. much. And actually, that's one thing I'm, like, trying to do now is explore London more and be... I think also because I was with my final marriage, I was often tired and not sort of wanted to go out. But I've, since I've come here, I've actually gone into London, like, I've been to theatre, like, twice because I've been here. I've only been here two weeks. And I'm really trying to make an effort to kind of enjoy it more because I think I might not live in London forever. And um, yeah. I just haven't really experienced, like, proper London living. I've always been living, like, on the edge of it. Yeah. But... But I do like, I mean, I love, I've just moved to Tackney, I really love the vibe here, like... Um, Appropriate, the, the sirens going yeah, just yeah. at that moment. Yeah, I love just walking around, I was walking around like London Fields yeah. yesterday. Yeah, oh, it's a beautiful area. Yeah, there's just like lots of life and different people and yeah, so I'm looking forward to exploring it more cool. this year, yeah. Yeah, it's funny, it's, it's funny how we all wind up here though, it's, yeah. it's, it's so funny. Um, but nice, it's like, yeah. it's, 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 I don't know if I expected to kind of I expected like my 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 like closest knit friendship group from yeah. uni to continue but it's it's kind of it's interesting that you bump into all of these people who you sort of knew more distantly at yeah, uni at different times yeah. and you sort of like bump into them in the city for me though a big thing about that is I guess Louise and Matt like I think like I was living with Louise and right. I hadn't really seen you or lots of people from theatre studies all that time and then when she reconnected with Matt it kind of suddenly like we went to parties brought like their birthday parties. Yeah, brought I was different like, groups together. Like, oh yeah, yeah it's yeah, all these yeah. guys from like like Richard as well, right. and different people. Yeah, so that's been really good. So good on Louise and Matt for like well, getting together and bringing us all together as well. They are they <laughs> are uh, very lovely people. They for are sure. amazing. <laughs> and yeah, the the last question that I ask people because we're around about that time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Is do you have anything to plug? Which I guess we've sort of touched on some of it, but you should give out the the URL. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I would love people to go listen to my um, new EP. It's called Faces at the Fair. Um, my website is www.laurabazel. That's b a z e w l. uk, and the music's available on iTunes or Amazon. So if you've got Faces at the Fair, Laura Bazel, you find it. So it'd be great. And and you and you're you're writing a blog as well. Aren't you? Yeah, I am writing a blog. If you go to my website, then the blog information you can just link on. It's all there. Just click onto the blog. Yeah. Excellent. Um, and yeah, and that's it, that's out already, is it? On, yeah. And it, and it will be out whenever this is. I think this will go out in a few, like a month's time. Cool. Probably, yeah. There's a few in that are yeah. lined up. It'll still be there waiting. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's great. Um, and. Uh, it's been a real pleasure getting yeah. better acquainted with you. Yeah, it was been lovely talking to you today. Yeah. And so. the last thing I ask people to do is just to say goodbye to the audience. Okay, goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at UBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. Or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app, you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.